0: Welcome, everybody, to another episode of and Players. Today, I have the one and only. You know him. You love him. He wahoos through your life, going through warp pipes. Wait, no, I'm sorry. Wait, no, 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 no. My bad, my bad. That was a r- wrong, wrong, wrong Mario. We have a different Mario here with us tonight. We've got Mario underscore sack, or just Mario sack, on YouTube and Twitter. Give it up. For Mario, ah. uh, Mario, <laughs> ah. Ah. Mario, you are uh, an artist who does uh, commission work, and you've recently gotten into D and D animations. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, uh, I've been drawing watched...
1: for yeah, yeah. Oh, oh go ahead, go
0: oh, ahead. I was just gonna say, I watched your D and D animations today before uh, for the podcast, and they're very funny. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I liked your latest one the best, I think.
1: Oh, really? All right. Hell yeah.
0: Yeah, sorry, go ahead. You were going to say, let's hear a little bit about uh, your
1: lore. Oh, my 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 funny lore. Yeah. Um well, I've you know, I I mostly have done art for like a really long time. Um I've haven't taken it seriously until somewhat recently, I would say. Um Yeah, been doing pretty well with it. And the animation is also something that I've done super recently. Like, I want to say I would do dumb little things here and there. There's like an option in the program that I use to do small animations. It's it's not like I have the version for specifically animating. Right. But I I would do like little stuff here and there just messing around with it and it wasn't until recently that i ended up getting into just full on making videos so that's been kind of fun honestly it's neat to get into i i i really enjoy getting into different mediums of stuff i i don't know i i tend to really like working with my hands <laughs> and um i i take to stuff like this pretty quickly so yeah, it's it's been pretty interesting. I've actually been working on something today. Uh oh, yeah? working on a new video, yeah. Oh. Oh, four hours ago you also posted uh this
0: man in the white mask. Oh, which one? with uh I'm on your Twitter. Oh
1: right, yes.
0: I'm like I'm like <laughs> scrolling through your Twitter and liking your shit while you're <laughs> giving me your oh, thank um, you. your history here. <laughs> yeah, like you're a very talented artist. I I'm not thank surprised you. that uh You're doing well with, like, commission work. And it's nice to see another person get into uh, animation, even if it's just, like, uh, you know, short stuff, you know, nothing too serious or anything. Oh, yeah. I also like that you use a lot of color in yours. Uh,
1: That's a little uncommon. I don't see that too often. Honestly, because it's funny, because I used to be really bad at painting. I've gotten a lot better with it. Originally, when I would do traditional work before I started doing digital i was really into cross hatching Hmm. you can still even sometimes see it in some of the stuff that i'll do where there will be certain techniques or way that i display texture that comes from that but i used to just work with ink like I, i would do inking style stuff and just heavy cross hatch work right and um I don't know when I started to get into I would say the main thing that probably influenced me to be super vibrant and really imposing with my color is uh I think an artist that has had a lot of influence on me is I really like Hirohiko Araki the the I don't know if you're like familiar with JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Oh, I am familiar with it. I don't I don't watch it, but <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I know that art style.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's very, I, it's it's something that's influenced me to want to take very dynamic poses with things, make uh these very colorful, like kind of just choices in general. I I like it being vibrant, even even in dark kind of areas. I like to have an excuse to throw some color in there. It helps things pop. It makes it like eye catching. Yeah. Hmm. I
0: don't watch JoJo's, and I think it's because I don't, mm-hmm. I think it's a little ugly, <laughs> but... That's fair, that's... Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, on the flip side, it's also very much performative, the way that the, everything's drawn. It's like the... Oh, yeah. The characters are performing for you, the audience, even though they, in their world everything like that's happening is real, or, or any, the, the fact that they're so like extra with how they do
1: everything is yeah. like... It feels like a stage play in a way. Yeah, definitely. I don't know what it was when I first looked at it, but there was was something about the super exaggeratedness about everything, Mm -hmm. just in general with with the series, and I was like, I want to be able to draw like this. And the artist is really interesting with their stuff, because if you look at... The whole thing with uh, JoJo is, uh, as it progresses, there's different generations of characters. It doesn't follow, like, JoJo is not one guy. JoJo is, I think at this point, eight different people. Oh? Um, it's not uh, just JoTara. I thought
0: it was a guy named JoTara or something.
1: So it starts off with uh, Jonathan Joestar. Uh, the second part, Battle Tendency, is Joseph uh, Joseph Joestar. Joseph Joestar's daughter gives birth to Jotaro Kujo. Uh, from there that is Josuke Higashikata. Um then uh Giorno Giovanni. Uh, the, the, the list goes on. Uh, but uh yeah yeah, they're they're different they're all like different people, different chapters, different like stories. It's really neat to see the progression of the art style because the art style changes a ton. Like some of his really recent stuff is massively different in appearance to some of the old stuff. There's still that they still carry on similar traits like it's still super exaggerated and there's a uh, that same poppy kind of color look to it. But uh, yeah, yeah,
0: it's got it's, a, it's got a, a high contrast comic book
1: yeah type of
0: super shading
1: i think is what you're trying to touch on mm-hmm. it's very western inspired i want to say too like there's there's some especially with the naming conventions but uh a lot of things are named after western music i will say i i think it's
0: refreshing uh that it's like very much like super focused on people with lots of muscles oh yeah um whereas (laughs) like when i when i see western comics like yeah the the superheroes have lots of muscles but then like the dudes that draw western comics are fucking perverts like they just love drawing women oh like uh super skimpy outfits always got their butts out like they're like (laughs) presenting for somebody or something it's like Okay, I don't know. It's one of the reasons why I never got into Western comics. It's Mm -hmm. just because I can kind of sense, like, there's this weird... Women aren't really people in those comics. Women are damsels. Mm -hmm. They're like a different class of person. They don't count. You know? I mean, they would never say that. That's just how it feels to me. (laughs) It feels like they don't actually respect women. And then, like, I don't know about JoJo's, but, like, I think it it feels like there just aren't women. It's like, we just want big, hunky men. There is... All there's the time, women, that's it. There's women in JoJo.
1: The funny thing about it... I'm sure it, there are, I just have yeah. I don't know what they look Cause, like, because uh, I've only seen the guys. One of them... I think it's the next part that's going to get animated. Too. Yeah, it is. The next part that's going to get animated um, is... It follows the daughter of Jotaro Kujo, and she has like the people that are joining her, or I think the team composes of two dudes... And, uh, along with Joylene, his, uh, it's, uh, two girls that are with her. So it's majority like women as the main characters.
0: Yeah. Actually, I'm, I'm looking now there. There's quite a few. I, mm-hmm. I don't know why I haven't seen, I don't recognize any of them. I've, well, yeah, yeah. Of all I... the Jojo stuff. It's always <laughs> like the dude going looking at the thing. Yeah. 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 The guy with the hat.
1: It's, it's funny too. It's the memes. Because uh, as it progresses, it's, it's a lot less just buff dudes. Which, uh, as an artist, one of my favorite things to draw is muscle. Mostly because I find it very... There's an interesting thing about it. There's something fun about all the detail. And I, I tend to be very detail-oriented. So being able to draw muscle and stuff like that's fun to me. And later on, a lot of the guys start to shrink down a ton. I think the newest dude is pretty slim. Uh you see that with uh Giorno Giovanni, who is the first kind of just slim dude, kind of more athletic build, rather than mm-hmm. like these other dudes that are fucking they're they're Yeah,
0: bodybuilders they're essentially. <laughs> I mean it leans into its its stylized thing. I also noticed that like lots of interesting like like lipstick colors i've noticed
1: yeah it's there's a lot of there's a there's a lot of really interesting stuff with the fact that uh a lot of the males in there have very feminine kind of traits thrown onto them like this big bad vampire dude that they fight fight in part three dio He's got like these taller in the back shoes, this green lipstick on. He's got some makeup on. He's got Uh jewelry on him. There's in part two, the main character fights these three Mayan bodybuilders (laughs) and uh, also very covered in makeup, lots of lips, lipstick, long hair, very feminine looking kind of dudes. But there's something I don't know. It works. It works with with the general look of it there's something it, it hits on something
0: it's like it's not for me still but like yeah, no, I'm no, seeing that fine. like this resonates with a lot of people and it's uh-huh. I can see I'm like trying to like dissect it in the moment here like ah I see why this <laughs> is resonant you know what it kind of reminds me of a little
1: bit I don't know if you've ever seen Fist of the North Star yes okay so yeah so Fist of the North Star is a huge influence on part one and it, it after after part one it starts breaking off and being its own thing, but it's straight up, it's it's very like glam rock fist of the North Star, glam rock. That's such a good way to describe <laughs> it. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Damn, you really nailed it with that one, glam rock. <laughs> like John Justar just looks like Kentaro
1: or whoever. Yeah, yeah. He's he's very. I, I'm i pretty sure the author himself has come out and said, oh, yeah, that was a big influence on it originally.
0: It also kind of looks like uh, gu- uh, Guts or whoever from... Oh, from Berserk? Uh, what's it? Berserk. Yeah, they all have a very similar aesthetic, I've noticed.
1: Uh, I think it's just the fact that they're yoked dudes.
0: <laughs> well, no, they got spiky short hair, too. Oh, yeah. And then, like, really, I don't know, and they're the good guys, but they look like they could be bad guys
1: yeah like, i i could see that oh
0: yeah like the the main character in berserk looks like a bad guy
1: but yeah, like very... they like to draw
0: him looking super introspective and sad mm-hmm. and stuff and like see he's a good guy he's like, he's, okay. he's
1: a gentle soul on the inside
0: but like if he was you know the armor he wears and if they just had oh, him yeah. like if there was like a general telling him to go massacre some people or whatever he'd be like oh yeah he's a bad guy yeah, you know, like easy, like obviously that makes a bad guy by definition. But like, I wouldn't question it. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't think, oh, that guy's a bad guy. Like, no, I'd be like, yeah, no, of course that he is. No, that
1: guy. No, the, the guy yeah. like pointy <laughs> as fuck, covered in spikes. His sword just... is
0: bigger than his body. Oh no, he's <laughs> just
1: probably... He's like, there's blood gushing out of the the mask that he's wearing, and he's no, nah, that that guy, no. Nah. <laughs> and so, oh, Berserk is also another one that i really love the art style of that the uh it's very detailed very i don't know it's a lot of the pages are very inspirational
0: (laughs) yeah the um i've I've read a little bit just a little bit Mm -hmm. because when the guy died uh it it was on it was on my radar beforehand but then like it got like super on my radar because everybody was talking about it. i'm like all right i'll give it a little whirl and i kind of looked at uh some of the earlier panels and stuff and then I looked at some of the later ones and like he what he does consistently throughout its history is he has these amazing establishing shots. Mhm. There's so much detail. And you see like huge landscapes, cityscapes, all sorts of stuff uh you know weird camera angles and, and and panels that will span like two the whole two pages or whatever yeah and have like somebody like framed in a certain cinematic way like gazing up on or down upon something like very grandiose uh yeah
1: that's the uh, word i was thinking of grandiose
0: yeah and it's and it's very cool and it's mm-hmm. absolutely like takes a lot of effort and I, and i like it i just uh I don't know. There's something about these styles that just maybe it's cuz I don't resonate with big muscly dudes. Maybe that's all it is. Mhm.
1: Oh, that's I'm, fair. I'm just a, I'm a skinny mm-hmm. piece of shit, so I'm like, <laughs> ah, I don't relate. I guess in that same regard that might also be like with me, I'm I'm kind of like a bigger kind of dude. I'm a bit more broad-shouldered and it's it's like one of those eh, I feel like growing up when I would see stuff like that, that would be the allure is like, this guy's so cool. I want to be like this guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, I I, totally get that. Like, there's... If it doesn't click with you, it doesn't click with you.
0: I think it's... I think the appeal, at least for, for like... It's not that I don't ever watch um people with like, muscles and shit. I'm not like anti-muscly dudes. It's more <laughs> just like... There's got to be some sort of these guys are like ultimate tough guys too, mm-hmm. which makes them feel not real at all, mm. or or like posers, like they're like I feel like John Joe and all these dudes, like the personality quirk is I'm a tough muscly guy who f- who fights they're... bad guys, I, you know what I mean? Yeah, like that's I, his personality.
1: I, I, do, I do get what you mean. It's funny because Jonathan, the first guy. He's not really like that. He's more like a, he's kind of that himbo archetype where he's very kind hearted, big muscular guy tends to, he's not really like settling everything with his fists or if he does, he he literally makes a friend out of a guy that attacks him because he's like, wow, you did this big heroic thing. I like tried to full on assault you and you're, you're just this good guy. You know what? I'm not mm-hmm. even going to fight you anymore. You know, uh, you're cool. I just like you. <laughs> and it's 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 kind of it's odd, but it's everybody has their own kind of thing going on. Yeah. But uh, I think the guy after that's more like he's more of a cocky dude. He's he, his whole thing is he relies more on bullshitting his way through stuff. And, well, not bullshitting it, but he's supposed to be this tactical genius. And it's like, uh, he's really good at fucking with people, catching them off guard. And then like Jotaro, Jotaro is that archetype. Jotaro is straight up just like, I'm tough as fuck and I'm going to kick your ass.
0: <laughs> have you ever seen, uh, now that we're talking about like fighting animes and stuff. Mm-hmm, yeah, have yeah. you ever seen Kenichi, Mightiest Disciple? Or
1: That sounds familiar. What is it
0: It's uh, an anime came out a little while back um Kenichi. from from a few years ago, but it's a uh, this kid who has no propensity or skill for martial arts uh-huh he's just like he's just a lame kinda you know standard anime protagonist like a soft boy you could yeah. say, but then he like stumbles upon a dojo running away from some bullies, and the dojo has like seven. Martial arts masters, and they can't, they can't keep any pupils
1: mm-hmm.
0: for whatever reason. But then they see that this kid who has zero aptitude for martial arts, they're like. This is our greatest project yet. If we turn him into a, a master of all seven forms, <laughs> then we could c- claim to be the best teachers in the world or something like that. Some sort of like ego thing. Like they, And also they were in a contest with each other to get him to choose one of their schools. Uh-huh. So they all wanted, so there's like a Kenpo, Muay Thai, weapons master, karate, um, uh, jiu-jitsu, all sorts of different like martial arts. Each of one of them has like a thing. And so throughout the 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 thing you see him struggle with his basically having no real innate like skills or strength or whatever trying to fight like bullies who are just taller and stronger and have been in way more scraps than him. Yeah. Basically they would kick his ass and then he's got these like, techniques to just give him just the, enough of like an edge in the in the fight to like not be fucking destroyed and actually be able to hold his own or even like beat the guy. But like at great, cost, like he gets his ass whipped every time, but he's like <laughs> doing it, you know, somehow he's like actually I'm managing it. it. <laughs> and then, and so it's like, it's fun to kind of watch that journey. And his parents don't know where he's going. They think he's going to some after-school thing or whatever. Comes home, um,
1: the shit beaten out of him.
0: <laughs> yeah. His dad. Oh, there's a bit that his dad does. He's got a, a shotgun in the wall that he named sebastian and in the english dub there's like when he thinks that like his uh, son is being bullied he goes bully is what it looks like it's up to me and my old friend sebastian he puts like a <laughs> key code into a wall and the <laughs> wall opens up this fucking shotgun comes out we'll take care of this problem like we did the squirrels in the backyard <laughs> and uh and then the mom like hits him with a frying pan or whatever it says no guns but, like, that that's, like, a, a recurring theme is the dad keeps thinking he's gonna have to actually open fire on oh, these bullies. Tight,
1: huh? but I, I... Maybe... Maybe next time I'll be able to, you know, kill these kids, but not, not today. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's very fun, though. I mean, that one's good. There's another one that... Uh, I can't quite remember the name of it. It was a manga that was, like, a... A karate... Manga? Where, like, the main character, Minoru is this, like, gymnast, and he realizes that he's not the best gymnast like the girl that he, like, his childhood friend. Mm -hmm. She's a gymnast, too, but she's, like, way better. And then he, like, runs into this Jotaro dude wearing a mask, essentially, who, like, helps, like, defend him against some bullies or whatever, but he's sort of, like, a tough guy and thinks, like, oh, you're a wimp. You should come to our dojo and, like, drags, kidnaps him, essentially. Kidnaps the main character and sort of, like... Forces him to learn karate. I I don't know, man. There's there's a lot of. Now that I'm thinking about it, these are just the two that are on the top of my mind. And the more I think about it, the more like, well, there was that one. Oh, and there was that one too. Oh shit! <laughs> it's almost like Japan really likes these the genre or something.
1: Yeah, yeah. It, it's. I mean, I can see the appeal for sure. It's uh it's a pretty common one. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, I like I like seeing people grow. I think is is the main thing. What well, may is that is that something we see you see a lot in JoJo's? Do people grow? I uh, in 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 or is everyone just sort of already like really tough and cool?
1: I would probably say the only one that is ever like off the start the coolest. Like it's it is a, probably Jotaro. Jotaro, his whole thing is literally. I'm just gonna beat it up and my my ability just turned out to be really strong and it's not until the end when Dio shows up he's he shows up and he's like my stand is actually stronger than yours and Jotaro's like oh shit and uh they also realize that they both have the same stand ability which is stopping time but um oh yeah Jotaro starts off just like uh really strong everybody else does have some kind of progression thing i know yeah everyone has to eventually learn some power or some ability in order to conquer their trials or try to figure stuff out i think my favorite part is part four and i don't really think that there is a huge journey arc thing like that But it's mostly because the story revolves around a sleepy kind of town. And it's a bit of a mystery murder type thing where uh, they're trying to stop a guy that has caused a bunch. He's a stand user. He's caused a bunch of murders and they can't find him. And the story starts to follow this guy that like this high school guy that lives there and Jotaro is also in this um one too. he shows up and alerts he's actually the bastard son of the second part protagonist okay i was going to say there's like a lineage here right yes it is a lineage they are all joestars or they they come from the joestar family line and they all have these joestar birthmark so Jotaro's kind of like a rich kid snob like my father <laughs> mm not really Jotaro Jotaro actually had a really bad upbringing his father left his family (laughs) as a kid and he only has his mom and that's actually the big reason why they go on the journey is his mom is dying and the only way to save her because again family line connection thing when Dio activates his stand ability It somehow triggers a thing that causes other people in their lineage to get stands. And if you're too weak, the stand would start to overpower and kind of consume you. And that's what was happening to his mom. And uh, the only way that they were able to figure out how to stop it was they had to kill Dio. And the only reason it triggered with Dio was this other weird thing, which was... Dio, using his weird vampire powers, was able to... Dio lost his body when he fought Jonathan. So what he did was he killed Jonathan, sliced off his head, and took over his body. So now he has Jonathan's body. And this stand connection thing activated because it triggered in him while he was taking control of Jonathan's corpse torso. (laughs) I see. It's it's a bizarre adventure, I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> Ha-ha. Also,
0: yeah, listeners, <laughs> if you're like, man, they're talking about JoJo for a long time. Sorry, uh, I'm just curious because I've never seen it. I don't know if I'm gonna watch it, but so D and D. I do think I. I just think it's interesting, but uh, we'll. For the sake of people who are just not into anime or JoJo's, yeah, yeah, yeah. we can we can move it along. Let's actually talk a bit about D anD. D How'd you get started with with the hobby?
1: I actually found out about it a real long time ago. Where uh, I think I was like in middle school when I heard about it, and I heard about it through a podcast that I was listening to, where a guy made offhand mention of some D stuff where he was like oh yeah i was playing DD with friends and it uh they lightly described some story and they they moved on but it stuck with me in my head and i was like that sounds like a lot of fun and as i like i knew i kind of knew what it was but i just connected it with it being that a weird nerdy thing So I never brought it up to any actual friends. I was never like, would you guys want to play D&D? Because I was just like, nah, they're going to make fun of me. (laughs) So uh, if anything, I knew about it in secret and I started to look into it. At some point, I started listening to some D&D podcast that got me to, by osmosis, slowly learn how it worked. And uh, way, way later... Eventually, some friends that I knew brought it up in passing and they're like, oh, yeah, I've been playing uh, D&D with some friends. And I was like, you play D&D? <laughs> and at some point they invited me. We we finally got like some sessions in. And then from there, uh, nobody really wanted to play D&D as much as I did. So that also is why I tend to be the DM for stuff because it caused me to take on the mantle where it's just like, right? fuck it. If no one wants to DM, I'll DM. I'll do it. I want to play. It's the,
0: the <laughs> person who wants to play the most ends up not playing because they get their friends into it. And so they have to well, DM, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I get what you mean. It, there's, a, there's a funny thing with that where I honestly feel like when I, when I really think about it, I sometimes like being the DM more than being the player. I, I like being able to have... I think it's just because something about when I'm in the DM seat, it really clicks with me and gets me motivated to do other stuff. Like, whenever I've DM'd, I'm super into getting cool visual stuff for the players. And it's not necessarily, or when I say for the players, it's not necessarily for the players. It's more for me getting hyped up on my own, like getting hyped up on player ideas or my ideas. I think one of the coolest things to me is when I started a game with some friends and they were kind of shy about getting started. And as we were talking, I just started sketching up their characters and I'm like, what what does your character look like? And they're just like, uh, maybe like this, or like this, and I'll start sketching something up, I'll show it to them, they're like, oh, well actually, could you, could you change it to be like this, and I'll, I'll get these drawings done of their characters, and everyone's all hyped up now, cause they, they have like actual visual, visual representation of what they look like. Right, yeah.
0: <laughs> I used to do that too, all the time, um, I still kinda do, actually, I just... I, I th- there's been a few campaigns I've been in that I told my players, I say my players, I was a player in these too. I told the players, the other ones that I would draw the whole party and it's on my to-do list of things to do, mm-hmm. but drawing several specific party. designed characters yes. that don't have an already existing design
1: mm-hmm. is
0: hard. And then definitely like doing it several times in a row for different groups Is really hard. It's a lot of work. Yes.
1: Yes, it is.
0: And so I'm like, I just haven't done it. I've got all the descriptions of all these characters that I want to draw eventually at some point. But like, I'm I'm waiting for, I don't know, to feel like I I actually can devote some time to it. I feel like lately I've
1: been trying to focus on other stuff. I feel like it sometimes depends on the group how difficult some of those can be because i remember getting usually a lot of players don't entirely know what they want so they'll give me this vague concept and i'll start putting something together and it's more like a bit more of a grounded design there's neat elements that that'll just pop up where it's like oh i think they like i'll look at their starting equipment i'll give them like they have their pack on, I kind of put on like, oh, if he has like a bear trap dangling from the side, you could see it like all strapped up and players get really hyped about that. But the thing that really blows the wind out of my sails is when the guy comes in with his JRPG character covered in belts, this very specific high detail design, or it's just like... Man, I really don't feel like drawing that.
0: <laughs> yeah, I I've seen that more than a few times. Mm. Anime
1: has that effect. I mean yeah. I don't, don't want to say it's bad. And it's not yeah, it's it's not to I'm not gonna tell anybody like oh that's that's just an inherently bad design. It's just in this specific I'm more, Yeah. <laughs>
0: I'm more concerned with like personality. Like if they're just yeah. like lone wolf, I don't wanna play with the party it's like why are you playing D D? go fucking play final fantasy or something <laughs> i don't know like it just it seems like you're not really you try you, like some people try they're try hearts right they try too yeah. hard to be edgy with their character and it's like that's not really what this is that's not what we're about here, or about mm-hmm. working together. You can have a dark, brooding past. You could make a character really angry and not want to talk about it. That's fine. That's character traits that are interesting. Mm-hmm. But if that never changes and you never develop your character to open up to anybody in the party, even though they've all tried yeah. in some way to, and like, your character just stays that way the whole time, it's like, well,. That's not that's a lot less interesting. Yeah, that makes that makes your character just sort of like a one note thing. I kind of like want to see more from them. I want to see them develop. I want to see them open up a little like I, I just finished a campaign, actually. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I was playing a character. She uh, her backstory. I can actually do the whole I say the whole thing now because all the, the players have um, we finished. So, yeah, so it's all out there now. Don't have that
1: fear of letting something out. Yeah,
0: yeah. She had a very terrible backstory where her she lived in on this frontier town, and by frontier town I mean like in the woods, like uh, uh, in the wilds, essentially, like on the edge of civilization. And it had like uh, it, it was this village more than anything else with this old ancient tree in the center, uh, this big ass tree, and they had like some uh some people like living like up in the treetops as well as uh, at the base uh where this village was there was elves that were like monks who like defended uh and hunted the, for the um like monk rangers essentially that like you know were like the security and then you had like some uh scholars and priests and other just like wood woodsy people all kind of working together and that was her hometown Sproutfall fall was what it was called and in comes three bad dudes and an army of undead, out of fucking nowhere, Randy Orton, you know, slithering along out of nowhere, <laughs> RKO'd the town, just Damn. murdered, slaughtered everybody, women, children, didn't matter. My character uh, was, I think, nine years old mm. and hid in a pile of dead bodies. Oh my god. Um. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, they had undead beasts that were like sniffing out survivors and like eating them and just fucking destroying them and she got her legs bitten off and she had to not cry out in pain she had to hold in uh the pain to not be um detected and the thing then was like called off to go somewhere else uh and so she was able to crawl away from the burning village and then they set the whole forest on fire with like a magic fire that spreads really fast and can't be put out by uh, rain or water. Mm-hmm. So she she did like a tourniquet on her legs, uh, crawled as fast as she could to the river and just let it take her um, and somehow survived, even though every trace of her village was destroyed. Yeah. Her family gone, all the adults in her life gone, her siblings gone. Everybody that she ever knew and loved and all that was left is this this Charred black blight of a a place that used to be a forest. It was like almost the the fire was so complete that the only Remnant of a tree that is still visible is that ancient old tree and she like crawls back through the ashes Into the still warm hollowed out ashes of the tree and basically commits herself to dying there yeah and Uh the god nylia this is a theros world by the way oh okay okay. goddess nylia gives her new legs from the charred bark of the tree they like graft onto her and the kind of like ghost of sparta the ashes cover her skin and give her this like very dark gray complexion that's really cool she was just like a human before (laughs) and um her hair becomes a stark white she almost looks like a drow but there's no elves in this world yeah and she uh car she basically carves her own mask to hide her identity and sets out on a journey for revenge to find the three guys that murdered her family and stole her life from her and uh she so we got edge girl here everybody (laughs) sound the alarm Red Alert. We have an edgy girl with a tragic backstory. She softened a little bit because I, I wrote this backstory alongside uh, my friend who played this satyr named Ollie, who was like a, uh, a follower of Nylia, and they were—he was like a surrogate adoptive like brother. And so they like traveled together, and like mm-hmm. he was like they—they they took care of each other and stuff. But she was still very edgy. Wouldn't talk about where she came from. Wouldn't talk about. Why she always wear, wears a mask, and why she's always moody and grumpy, but she becomes like an ace shot, a sharpshooter, right? Mm-hmm. And the way that it sort of goes on, I mean, we like I, I multi-classed the hell out of her. She became a uh, a swarm keeper ranger, so she had like pixies or fairies or whatever, like a swarm that like covered her like flowers. They look. When they're not moving they look stationary like flowers. And because she's got her like tree legs and her gray really dark gray complexion, she looks like some sort of plant if she stays still with her mask. Yeah. So <laughs> and her like tufted to hair <laughs> on her on her head. So she almost like has this natural camouflage that makes her look almost like a dryad with the, with these pixies. (laughs) And then she's got uh, the monk levels and and all sorts of, I think I gave her a druid level or something, but uh, we find this gatehouse that's near the edge of this big forest. That's actually maybe like 40 miles away from uh, where her village used to be. And, it's been overrun. The skatehouse has been overrun by undead. And she's a ranger. Her favorite enemy is obviously undead after mm. what happened to her. So she's yeah. fucking taking these things out. They get to the top level of the skatehouse. And there he is. One of the fucking necromancers that ruined her life. And he does. And I remember my DM. He was new to DMing. And he does this thing where he's like, he turns around and says, well, well, well. And I'm like, I shoot him in the chest with an arrow. And he's like, <laughs> really? You're not going to let him monologue like he's, I'm killing him. He's dying. Yeah. And so, yeah, uh, I nailed him. (laughs) Did a fuck ton of damage. But uh, Used another, I think I had some other action or a a way of doing another arrow uh, as a bonus section or something like that. I can't remember how I did it, but I fucking hit him again. And uh, then we rolled initiative. I won initiative because I was using revised ranger, so I had advantage (laughs) on initiative rolls. So I hit him again. Boom and he's like oh okay uh next is ganthar the centaur fighter who gallops up to him hits him action surges hits him again knocks his ass out before he could pop off one spell or give us a monologue (laughs) he was gonna fireball us by the way (laughs) and i and we we made it so that because of my the ashes on me by the name my character's name was ash by the way not by the name that was her name. She was uh, she had disadvantage on any dex saves made to avoid fire damage, so she'd always catch on fire if, if yeah, catch her. Yeah, yeah, I'd catch her. I I gotcha. I see. What I was. No, I know, I know.
1: Down. I'm. I'm. Keep going. Keep going.
0: <laughs> no worries. But she basically marches up calmly. There's skeletons in the room, so everyone's getting fixed in a fight. Those. She does. It. She marches up, loads a bow, boom. <laughs> Hits him in the chest while he's down for two more death saves. Stands above him, knocks another fucking arrow in her bow. Boom, finishing blow to the fucking face, <laughs> like cold-blooded execution.
1: I like how this guy is straight. This how fitting, or it's just this guy walks up and it's like, well, well, ooh, ooh,
0: ooh. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. What wait, you know? What there? No, no, wait, wait. <laughs> yeah uh, it was my dm was kind of upset because he's like i had this whole monologue planned and and you know and he was gonna do fireball it was really cool but i'm like i know i ruined your moment but it it i made my own moment and i'm very yeah. happy i got to fucking kill this bastard without him even being able to do that shit but we went from that where everyone started to realize Ash has some fucking issues. Because uh, <laughs> she wouldn't elaborate why she killed this guy other than he was a bastard. That's all she would say about it. Yeah. But eventually she did start to open up because like she realized like these people that she's traveling with are her friends and they care about her. And like she doesn't have to be so closed off all the time. She doesn't have to be so upset. The fact that after all these years of training and hunting... She finally got one of the three, gave her hope. I know revenge is like not supposed to make you happy, but in her mm-hmm. case, it was like this was what lo- softened her edge actually by mm-hmm. exacting revenge and having friends. It allowed her hope to understand like, I can, I'm moving towards something, something better than where I came from. And I will never forget. The faces and names of all the people that lived in my village and i will never forget all the stories and and personality quirks and all their voices and and the things that they would say to me when i was a kid i'll never forget any of that at the same time she was like i i think i can also live for my future too i don't have to be a ghost of the past i can also kind of live for me and so she kind of divulged some of her stuff and during the final battle where we fought a god who turned into like a adult gold dragon and like was yeah pretty cool and uh, pretty pretty tough um i got tail swiped in the face and so I, i flavored it as her mask breaks off and everyone sees her face for the first time and like she's not Like scrambling to put her mask back on, she's trying to kill the Mm -hmm. dragon, and afterwards she puts the mask on for comfort more than anything else. But like, isn't trying to hide her face anymore? Isn't like worried about her friends knowing what she looks like or anything? You know, and like, is that is that a lot of harkening back? I I just wanted to share the story, but also harkening back to the point of edgy characters developing, right? Mm -hmm. This isn't the most development. It's okay. It's like Mm
1: -hmm. a decent amount. But that's what you it's, need. It makes it fits the story. It's it's like this if anything I think the issue that starts to come with those super edge lord characters that never change is they end up playing this weird caricature of what they think is this like cool guy type lone wolf thing. So they want to mm-hmm. they want to hardcore stick to that and that's what's what sometimes makes it it doesn't i i guess it doesn't necessarily make it an issue but it just makes a character really boring because they just don't seem to change like nothing seems to if, if they're not allowing the other people at the table to kind of add some influence to stuff that's going on well because it's it's not like you're supposed to and it's not like people will have control over, or should have control over your character in that kind of way, but it just feels unrealistic, almost. Yeah, it, I think it is. I think
0: also most lone wolf characters, unless you're also the person playing them is also like a meta gamer. Oh, oh, or not a meta gamer, but like um, I'm sorry, I meant uh, min-maxing, like to, like a power gamer. That's the, that's. Oh, the word.
1: okay, okay.
0: They're not gonna be able to survive on their own anyway,
1: mm-hmm. oh yeah,
0: and so they they need help, and like the thing with like ash she was she was very a very powerful glass cannon if she could get in position, she could take out the most problematic person in a fight mm-hmm. really fast because of sharpshooter and she had uh some other feats and stuff, even as a human we um we gave her a boon, like a god boon. That you start with in Theros that basically gave for elven accuracy as a feat, in addition to I think uh, I thought I took Wood Elf heritage too, so I had like long strider and pass without trace that I could cast once per day, and so I had all this the shit where I could like I could really speedily get up into position. I could like use step of the wind. Yeah. To, and, and then the ranger jump spell to like jump six times. I mean, you remember the Easter game in Tall Tales, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was, that's a formula. I can recreate that formula again and again. And I love to do mm-hmm. it because I like being able to jump really high. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, she was like that too, where she, her legs were like shaped like grasshopper legs. Uh, these these bark legs or oh, whatever, they have and could like, like spruing her up to the top of a tree, and then she could just fucking, pew, 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 <laughs> like rapid fire shot, uh, somebody to death. Yeah, you know, that's super cool. That's really cool. But she still knew she needed help, and her, because mm-hmm. I wrote her edgy backstory alongside being like sort of having found family with this other very sociable satyr named Ollie, mm-hmm. it was like because they were a pair it made it easier for them or for her to like integrate with the group. Cause otherwise she, she did actually want to just not go into towns and just like camp out in the woods whenever we got to a town. She's like, I'm just going to be out in the woods. And like other characters also were woodsy and would like join her and stuff. And so we might have like a town group and a woods group or whatever, but like we would always have a rendezvous point. And so we like that kind of worked out. I guess what I'm trying to say is people, if you're going to do characters that like, want to do their own thing and be independent in ways that's cool but you also gotta uh, you gotta read the room read the group and try to like not not run away from group activities or like yeah just try to like be alone like if someone wants to join you for example like when i was camping i wasn't like no it's only for me you know like when when mm-hmm. the centaur was like yeah there's really nowhere for me to stay because i'm a horseman. Uh, can I camp out here with you? I was like, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I wasn't like, no, go away, I'm edgy. It was like, this is, I'm more comfortable out in the woods, because I'm an outlander, monk, ranger character. But mm-hmm. like, yeah, it's always nice to share the campfire with somebody.
1: It's like, um, in the current campaign that I'm in, I am playing a... the The idea came from me wanting to try playing a lawful evil character. And I feel like he works pretty well with the party in their own odd dynamic, but something that I've had to—I've—I've I've talked to some people where a lot of people are super against something like having an evil character, but I can see where it can be all right because at the end of the day, they're still people and they'll still have their own vices. <laughs> so yeah, his his thing that's kind of funny a lot of the players are okay with it uh characters that's that's like a different thing but his whole thing is he is this he's technically an Azamar. Mm-hmm. he is a follower of tiamat in this setting where tiamat is a ah from the video yes yes that's that guy yes yes it's it's that that guy guy. cool then yeah i i I already gave this explanation but yeah everybody
0: by (laughs) the way uh quick plug everybody go check out uh mario sack on youtube he's got uh like i think like five videos and the latest one is a D &D story about the very character that he's talking about right now so you should find him and uh sub to him on youtube now (laughs) thank you all right continue
1: but uh yeah, the, so there's a fun thing with the fact that he's becoming more and more draconic. And recently, he's again gotten more of this dragon kind of essence to him. Mm-hmm. And there is, he has this weird draconic greed as well. And a way that I, from the get go, have seen the party, in his view, he likes his party, he does enjoy having his party around. And he does try to go out of his way to protect some party members more than others. But he, he does care about certain party members. But the reason why is because he views them as his. They are his possession <laughs> in his mind. They, they are his little set. And there's some party members that were there from the start. And he's more protective of them over the others, mostly because he feels a bit of disgrace in not being able to take care of those that have already fallen. But on top of that, in his mind, he looks at them and he's like, well, these are the last remaining few of my of my complete set. I, I can't get rid of these. The, I need these. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. I, I've, I've talked about the idea of evil. On, on my podcast before. And actually, we talked about this yesterday yes, on Tall we Tales. People, a- another plug. Uh, if y'all <laughs> know a runesmith, Logan, who's actually next up. Uh, on the docket for podcasts and players, oh, wow. uh, which is exciting. He uh, does Tall Tales. Tall Tales is uh, sometimes mostly like a D and D sort of improv thing that he does. But
1: uh, for Halloween, we just kind of hung out and talked about shit. It's actually because of Logan that I started animating. Oh yeah, yeah. He he talked me into it because he he told me we're talking about just general stuff like. How we're doing and stuff. And he kind of pitched the idea to me where he was like, You know, you should start a YouTube channel. And I was like, I've thought about it, but I I don't know. I have like some video ideas. And it was like, I think my issue that I had when I wanted to start off was I was stressing over making a really good video, like something like really impressive as my first video. And Logan was like, why don't you try animating something? Because my, my original thought would have been like, oh, I'll do like this, you know, I, I, I DM games. I have good ideas. <laughs> I'll, yeah. I'll do something on like blank and I'll cover some stuff. Maybe I'll do some cool art for it and have that on in the background. And Logan was like, why don't you try animating something? Like try animating something like small and, uh, you know, just try to make videos that could be easier to output and see how that goes for you. And I was like, hmm, I guess I could try that. And I we were just kind of talking about it for a bit. And we, I settled on this idea where I was like, OK, I'm going to tell it to you so that you, you can be somebody that's like aware and I'll feel more obligated to finish this. And I was like, OK, I'm going to give myself one week. I'm going to have one whole week to try to make a video and release it and i'm gonna focus on that and um after i said that and he was like yeah go for it dude uh i the next day released a video because i was up really late because i just thought hmm what could be a good video and i was just it just sprang in my mind a really dumb idea and that's where three orc brothers happened and I- I just ad-libbed a script in Audacity- or not even a script, I just started talking in Audacity. And I was like, I'm gonna animate this, this is gonna be a thing now. And um- I think, honestly, that
0: was a very good- I thought it was like, some- from something at first. Uh, <laughs> like you were animating somebody else's clip or something. Mm-mm. I really like- I think my favorite orc brother is Chifungus. Oh yeah! <laughs> Or, or just Fungus, yeah, but I think fungus. full name is Chfungus. Uh, ch- there's a Ch in the beginning, Chfungus. Yeah, because
1: there was a dumb yeah. joke where I was <laughs> thinking, I think I, I said, I'm, I'm trying to remember the three Orc Brother names. It was Ungus, Bungus, and Fungus. And uh, uh, yeah. I when I said Ungus, Bungus, I almost said Chungus. And, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, uh, yeah, yep, well, I, I can't. D- when
0: you did the you did the silhouette yeah, the and then silhouette. it disappeared and did the, it was very good. I was like, oh, no
1: <laughs> I I aimed my goal for that video and After that like every video after after that even with the one that I'm working on right now. I Kind of don't have this idea of My audience is me if I can make myself laugh and i can watch that video multiple times and still laugh to myself or smirk to myself about really stupid things that i said i feel i consider that a success i i can be happy with that i can be like you know what my my goal has been achieved i i amused myself anyways on to the next project
0: <laughs> yeah that's i mean that's the end goal anyway you, you got to make stuff for you at the at the end yeah. of the day yeah uh, i want to touch on one thing because uh, I because we got on a very good tangent, but uh, mm. I don't want to abandon this other thing about oh, yeah, like, yeah. the idea of evil, the evil characters in a campaign. Evil, like we were talking about, is selfishness, mm-hmm. and being selfish doesn't mean you're a megalomaniacal maniac who wants to destroy the world or something. You like eat puppies. Like and when
1: people play kick children.
0: <laughs> yeah, like like a chaotic evil character might think it's really fun to destroy shit like vandalize things and like uh steal stuff and 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 betray and and do all that stuff right like they might think that these things are enjoyable or preferable for them Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean they don't know how to work together with other characters oh yeah it just means that they're not the most trustworthy people and maybe they're a bit of a problem in that there's collateral damage wherever they go right Ooh, uh So, I've I've told someone else this before, but uh, I'll mention it again. There's a movie called Seven Psychopaths Mm. with Colin Farrell. uh, Oh, wow. Two actors in this, I can't remember. Colin Farrell's the main one. Sam Rockwell? Hmm. Is that... He's the guy that played uh, Hammer from Hammer Industries in the second Iron Man movie. He was the bad guy in that. He was, was like, the other, like, CEO. Mm. And then... uh, I think it's Sam Rockwell. And then, um... Oh, what the fuck is his name? in! Christopher Walken! Oh, yeah, yeah. And so the idea is Colin Farrell is uh, writing a, uh, a screenplay about seven psychopaths, but he's, like, struggling to find inspiration. So what does his friend Sam Rockwell do? Well, he decides that he's going to don a mask and become a serial killer so that he can inspire his friend... To write a better script. If that that's if that's not chaotic evil, I don't know what is, right? Yeah. He's he's it's not like, you know, Hitler had a dog, right? Hitler yeah. loved his dog. It's not like he wasn't capable of loving a thing. Yeah. Right? But like Hitler also looked at an entire race and religion of people and was like, <laughs> we could do without them. That's pretty evil, right? That's yeah. he's not evil because yeah. he loved his dog. He's evil because of the other thing. Yes. So like Sam Rockwell's character is a chaotic evil like, incarnate character where he does all this crazy shit. He kills people. He blows things up. He lies to his friend. But when his friend's like, What the fuck? You're a serial killer? He's like, I just wanted you to write a better script. I love you, man. You're my friend.
1: Uh, <laughs> like, that, What the? That's horrible. That's so. That, that would. What immense guilt to throw on someone. <laughs> or it's... Right. Well, I mean, by the
0: end of it, they had pissed off a mob boss uh, played by Woody Harrelson. So it was sort of <laughs> like. I out of their hands at that point they had to work together but like and that's the party <laughs> yeah exactly that's the party that's the point like he's a great example of like that's an evil character but he's not trying to rule the world he just he's a murder hobo who likes his friends a lot and will do very bad evil
1: things on their behalf i love you man i'm gonna kill that shopkeep and i'm gonna get you the adamantine armor
0: <laughs> yeah, don't worry. I st- yeah, he's the he's the bad influence. He's the dude that gives you like, dude, where did you get this like fucking you know watch? It's like, well, I saw you eyeing it before, so I killed the owner and I stole the watch
1: for you. Here you, Here go. you go, babe.
0: This is stolen I guns. I'm gonna get fucking arrested. No, 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 no. It's I'll fine. get arrested. Talk I'll for take a bit, the but...
1: blow. But actually, yeah. we should probably just leave town. That'd probably be a better idea. <laughs> uh, they're coming right. now, so let. <laughs> Yeah, that's see. That's the thing. Evil can be. It just means
0: you're you're willing to go the dis bad like lengths to do things. So lawful evil, uh, by contrast, right? Viewing the group as like your pawns or your possessions yes. or something like that is. I mean, that also is a very evil thing. I would oh, say that's yeah. either lawful or chaotic. What makes it lo- like lawful is like if. You actually, like, keep your word and stuff like yes. that. And you, like, make deals. And, that is, and you'll
1: honor those deals. That is, so, literally, something that happened in our last session is um, we got an option for a wish. Like, some fey creature. We completed some trial for them. and uh, Well, not a trial, but we completed a task for them. And the fae creature keeping their word was just like all right i'm going to grant you all a wish some i can do some might be harder kind of thing and one guy asked for a scroll of true resurrection and at one point before that when they were asking us like what possible wishes we might have my character wanted to bring somebody back that they had lost he actually um long time ago Early start of our campaign, he had purchased someone to accompany him and try to teach them the ways of his religion and kind of bring that about as he he wasn't originally like a draconic person, so his thought process was well, if I if I teach somebody else, the same process might happen to them. And he had someone with him, and he was basically kind of trying to show the power of tiamat to them and Mm -hmm. at some point he he kind of had this idea where they they grew trust with each other and his whole thought was as long as you're with me by tiamat's will you'll be under my protection and uh that character died in combat we weren't able to revive them and he felt immense guilt for that one, because he he kind of used Tiamat as like a thing of, oh, it's, it's like her, through her, I will protect you. And he failed at that. So he almost got a chance to become even further draconic. But instead he swapped out that wish for, no, 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 actually get me one of those scrolls. I'm going to bring this person back. That's a thing of he wants to right that wrong because he does feel guilty about that. It's almost like trying to he didn't he wasn't able to keep his word and he wants to fix it. And he's he's been very good on that. Yeah. He might twist words in certain ways. I know at the start of the campaign, he caused the accidental death of two guardsmen. And the way it happened was a lot of people had never seen monstrous race creatures in the area. So when my character rears his head out of a cart and starts talking, a guy freaks out. He screams a monster. There are these guys over this wall with muskets ready to fire at us. And he, my character thinks, okay, these guys are 30 feet away from the carriage that we're in. They're going to alert those guards. I can attack twice. I can run 40 feet I run 40 feet. I knock out both of the guards (laughs) before I'm able to knock out the guards. The first guy gets knocked out as he goes with his maul to swing at the second guy. The guy screams loudly before getting silenced. People over the gate hear it. And the the DM is saying, "Okay, these guys are preparing these muskets. What are you going to do? And I say, I'm going to pick up these two bodies. But, I'm going to position one over my back, and attempt to use it as partial cover. <laughs> as shots are going out, I feel the splat of the man's head exploding as a stray bullet hits him, <laughs> and, um, my character just runs to the cart, drops an unconscious <sighs> man in the cart, and a dead man in the cart, and he goes, They killed one of them, I can't believe this. <laughs> I can't believe you've done and- this. <laughs> I can't, I can't believe this. And when the guard, it it escalates rapidly. And uh, my character ends up attempting to abduct people to explain the actual situation from his perspective. And it just makes things worse. Eventually, the guard come out to try to deal with us and arrest us. And when the town official kind of guard steps out to apprehend us... And he's like, "You've killed. You, you, I. I think that there were more uh, accidental deaths that were also by the guards." And my character's like, "I didn't kill anybody. It was all you. You did this. I. 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 I was merely trying to stop any further bloodshed, and you guys are the ones that you. You opened fire on me. If I didn't stop them, you would have shot us anyways." <laughs> and it was, and it's just his own dumb, twisted logic. It's just. From his perspective, he's right. From my perspective, the Jedi are evil. <laughs> I I I didn't break any laws. I, I right right. It it was you. <laughs>
0: exactly. I I mean corrupt. I mean, there's also there's also the 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 fact that a lot of uh, lawful institutions are not necessarily all good. Uh, and like yes. you can have multiple enemies that are enemies of each other, and they're all not great. And do bad things, and like you know, a, a grim dark worlds are known for that, where everyone fucking sucks and oh, nobody's yeah. a good guy, right? And so, like, it, uh, you you'll see a lot of like moral gray type stuff uh, in those types of settings. Or any sort of like horror campaign, too. You're you're gonna see that. Mm-hmm. And like, we we accept that. Like, I I think I think personally, it's a bit boring when the whole party is just all really good people unless their goodness comes from like intense like suffering or something like they've been through a lot mm-hmm. and they're good in defiance of a status quo that is I- explicitly evil right like mm-hmm. if if the world is like ruled by kingdoms of good and law and the king isn't a bad guy he's a good guy who wants to stop the bad evil demon army it's just a-
1: Generous soul. And
0: you're (laughs) playing a lawful good paladin in that world? Boring. So boring. Yeah, But if you're playing in a world where the king's a corrupt tyrant, uh, but he's the only uh, bastion of civilization against a a horrible, uh, violent wilderness uh, and with, like, criminals and witches and all sorts of things that are, like, fucking shit up and, and doing terrible, awful things to innocent people who... Some might not even be innocent because they're so despondent with the life and the lot that they've been given that they do awful things as well. And like in defiance of that, you are good. You try – like, that's mm-hmm. interesting because you're a juxtaposition for the status quo at that point. Yes. You know? Uh-huh. And so, like, seeing a party of good people trying to be heroes in a world that doesn't believe in heroes, that doesn't believe that people can do the right thing, and that when it comes down to it, everyone's corruptible and everyone will choose themselves over others, feels good. That's those are really good – Oh yeah. You know, that's that's a good way to have like a what? lot of good people at a party, but if you're just playing like a typical fantasy world and everyone's just good, it's like, eh. yeah. Eh,
1: okay. There's there's <laughs> something something I really enjoy to do is I tend to go more towards monstrous races. And the reason why is because I feel like something that adds that fun little spice sometimes especially in that same context is when my character can still be a good person and still try to do the right thing even though he faces discrimination from people who might just view him as a monster Mm -hmm. like i one of my favorite races to play is minotaur and i've had that in campaigns where people are spooked by by this character this this massive bestial man it's like if you're just some guy from some village you've never seen a goblin or anything of the sort before and this thing to you just walks in it's it's scary you're gonna treat them differently there's gonna be something like uneasy about it Mm -hmm. it's like literally a bull in a china shop kind of situation and uh that's i find that really compelling when there is a lot of times that people might be pointing fingers at them or they'll like i said view them as a monster and i i feel like it's cool when that person is still has this opinion of i'm going to still attempt to protect these people or help these people because you know, they're ignorant, but that doesn't mean that they should die, kind of yeah. stuff.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's a very compelling narrative, too. I like that um, type of character. I I think that it's, with, with a Minotaur, I would probably make that race, if I were the DM, a little more common so that they're not unheard of. Because unless you want to be mm-hmm. THE Minotaur, who was, like, created after Poseidon, curse someone to sleep with a bull and then it you know it was like a cursed child yeah like a -a uh one-of-a-kind creature my
1: my favorite interpretation to usually go with minotaur is the baphomet route because there is a lot to play with there with the fact that they have this demonic origin because you can have both the monster type Of Minotaur that has kind of lost their senses and given into this very bestial origin this very monstrous demonic kind of path that Baphomet probably wanted for them or you could have one that was able to resist these instinctual kind of urges and able to still tap into that humanity in them I guess I I kind of
0: I feel like that that is a trope we see a lot with orcs and grumps or drow and lulz. Yeah, yeah. And I see I, I see it so often. I'm more like, I I like, I mean, Minotaur are just cow people. That's fine. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> just let them be cow people. They don't need to have like a, a blood lust if they don't want to. Mm-hmm. We could have, I mean, minotaurs, I feel like we haven't really seen them be explored as gentle giants that much because, I mean, think about cows, they're herbivores, right? Hmm. Like yeah, yeah, they they look cool because they have horns and like male cows, like fight for dominance and mates and stuff. But that's like not unusual amongst animals. Like lots of animals do that. Yeah, yeah. It's just when we see cows do it, it's like they've got horns, so it looks cool. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's the then there's the Greek origins, which kind of taints it. Yeah. But I guess what, all I'm saying is like, I feel like it's uh, it's it's. There's no wrong way to play any of these characters, oh, no, no. or even really uh, to when you're DMing, if you're lore building or world building, and you want to use like the kind of the normal. Oh yeah, a lot of orcs fall in with Grumsh, uh, but there are orcs that reject that, and that's <laughs> fine too. I would just advise not making it a racially tied thing, and more of a culturally tied thing. Yeah, right? I could see that. Maybe yeah, yeah. the yeah, because like tieflings, for example, are they don't just look like Devils for no reason, mm-hmm. like Asmodius fucked around and made a bunch of tieflings, but like he doesn't hold sway over them, and that should be the same with the Drow and with the orcs and with the Minotaurs. Where it's like, mm-hmm. if you want to tap into your cultural history and be like, my ancestors were followers of Grumshwanai or, mm-hmm. or uh, I guess Baphomet for the for the Minotaurs, yeah, yeah. and you want to like do that, making it a completely a free will thing. I think that makes
1: yes. A little more sense and gives
0: agency back to the character. Definitely.
1: This is also something that I think a lot when I'm world building for a game or something like that is the fact that you do always see that overlap a ton in D&D. There's a ton of things just in general that will fill the same roles as other stuff that's already established, which always... Feels yeah. a little annoying. It makes me. It's well, not annoying. If anything, it's just. Oh, I'm gonna have to tweak this if this is gonna be in my game, because so and so has this character backstory that'll bring up this, but so does this thing, and they're while they're separate things, they feel very similar, and I don't want it to be too I similar.
0: Mean, yeah, I mean sometimes that could be cool because then two characters could have this commonality they didn't know about each other yes, and true. so they find yeah. a camaraderie you know you could play it off that way there's a lot of ways you could do it i do understand not wanting to step on people's toes yeah if there's a, a aspect of the story they want to mm-hmm. but like for example and then i'm and we'll end after this because we're getting we're, we've reached time oh, uh, yeah, yeah, 20 yeah. minutes ago <laughs> uh, but uh we'll say like Let's say you're playing a a lycanthrope, right? Now, this is a curse, and a curse actually can be a thing that, like, kind of screws with your free will and, you know, tries Mm -hmm. to, like, change your actions, right? The origin of lycanthropy is not clearly stated in Mm D&D. It just exists, and it's kind of a disease, but it's also kind of a curse and, like, a magical thing that's not, like, cured by just
1: regular medicine i like the idea that it's a fey thing
0: yeah yeah there's there's um there's that uh, style of origin as well the and i'm not i'm not saying uh what what it is or is it because i'm running a game where there is lycanthropy and i don't want to actually spill the Ooh. beans on what the actual origin is if, if in case my players are listening yeah yeah but huh. the I, I i have a character who's playing a inherited lycanthrope, and the idea of it like it being a, a, a racial thing a lineage means that generally people will treat that as like you have more control over it but it's more obvious that you're a Mm lycanthrope so like your regular form you've got like very big hairy eyebrows or like Uh, you you know you're a hairy person or something, or if you're like uh, some other sort of lycanthrope.
1: That wolfish grin is unsettling.
0: Yeah, yeah, you'll ha- or you'll have really <laughs> sharp canines. You're gonna you're gonna look almost like a wolf man, except not quite as far. You're just gonna have wolf like features. If we're talking about like a werewolf lycanthrope, right? Mm-hmm. And then you know you can apply aspects of that to any other animal lycanthrope you're as well. Bore,
1: you're a boar. You're kind of porky looking.
0: Yeah, if you're a, if you're a boar lycanthrope, <laughs> but uh, infected lycanthropes usually just look. Like regular people, and because of the bite or because they received it, they have no control over it, and they're at the whim of mm. whenever the transformation occurs. And so, like, this is, a, uh, this is a common trope that I think could also be explored, and you can do curses that are not lycanthropy that still play off the whole bloodlust thing, mm-hmm. right? Have you ever played Little Nightmares?
1: I've... I haven't played it, but I've watched people play it before it's a very interesting game i I like the but yeah, make make your'm I'm, I'm familiar with it yeah yes.
0: it's 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 a good it is a good game. The main character of the first game has a peculiar hunger that she is racked with, and only her she's the only character that's racked with this weird hunger every so often that makes her it's just debilitating, and there's mm-hmm. a moment. This is a spoiler, by the way, uh, so if you haven't played Little Nightmares, you can just end the podcast. Go subscribe <laughs> to Mario Sack on uh, YouTube and follow him on Twitter. It's Mario underscore Sack. Thank you. No worries. But it's, so here's a spoiler. Uh, in Little Nightmares, turns out the main character ends up eating a, a, a creature, like a, like a little guy that was like trying to help her. And she's supposed to be the good guy. You know, you're like, you've been playing this as a protagonist, and with this hunger, she just fucking kills this dude and eats him. Like, kind of bites into him, drinks his blood or whatever. Kind of like a vampire in a way, right? Mm-hmm. Another kind of curse. You can do... You can have unique sort of curses that aren't necessarily vampirism or lycanthropy that can challenge a character's behaviors and make them act in, like quote-unquote evil ways yeah and then make their personal journey if that if they want it to be this the uh journey to try and get this cured or removed so they can get back to being good again and not evil so that not- so now they're acting evil but not by mm-hmm. choice but because it's uh been aff- they've been afflicted with an evil condition and that's why they're doing it
1: and it's not even like necessarily an outright evil condition it's just more there is this Thing that they just can't resist that hunger, that but- oh, oh sorry
0: I just remembered I played uh Pathfinder recently, and mm-hmm. in in Pathfinder Two E, uh Dragon Sickness was the thing that this uh king was suffering from as one of the characters' father it like
1: a greed thing.
0: Yeah, yeah, he had he had such ah. an amazingly huge horde that it like turned his skin a sickly green, and he was very greedy and wanted to like keep it all for himself, and. I surprised my uh, Game Master with a um, a spell called Claim Curse, where for five minutes, I claim all the effects of another person's curse. And because there's no save, because why would you do that to an enemy, right? Uh So, like... I claimed the king's curse. He became a normal man who like if almost like as if he was suffering from Alzheimer's, couldn't remember how he'd gotten so old or what had happened. And his an unnatural long life, kind of like a golem type life. Uh-huh. You know, like was failing. He basically was aging rapidly. And like Oh my god. I I basically I cast the spell twice and in the ten minute span that uh I, the curse was removed, he died peacefully in his sleep so we didn't even have to fight him he was like a really high level spellcaster and could have like tpk'd us (laughs) and because i did this we we didn't have to so for 10 minutes i had to act like i had dragon sickness so i'm scrooge mcducking (laughs) like into the coins like money 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 you know like i (laughs) am yeah i'm like (laughs) i'm i'm doing this whole thing of like but like also, just like how your character looks at your party members as like his own possessions, I'm looking yes. at my party members like they're also mine too. Like I own this mm-hmm. horde, I own them. So I turn to uh, Eldred Sugar. Actually, is in this game, uh, and she plays this uh, this rat folk uh, character in um, <laughs> Khan. Uh, Khan's a rogue, and and I turn to kind of like. <laughs> You, you, you're good with alchemical things. You find the potions. Find potions. Organize them here on this table. And then I go, over. I look over to the monk. I'm like, you find the weapons. Organize my weapons for me. And I will look at the jewels. (laughs) And I'm like... (laughs) Basically, I I'm, I feel like my character is, is acting like he just won the lottery and that this is his like committee, his crew, because he knows yeah. that they're not going to steal from him. Obviously of not. Of course not. <laughs> like he's so he's so elated about having this fortune that he's like too excited to even be paranoid about losing it, especially because after five minutes, the, the, the spell starts to wear off. He goes... Oh, wait, we're here for a reason. Shit. And he like runs up the stairs, claims curse <laughs> again on on the king and goes, you have five minutes and then runs back to his horde. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so like in this sense, like this is a very it was a very fun moment and, a, and a, a scenario again where a character can act in a way that's not in their nature because of some other thing. And it can be a fun role play moment. But anyway, I don't want to I don't want to dwell on that. I want to call it because it's been about an hour and a half and uh, Mm -hmm. I I know you've got things to do I've got things to do I've already told people where they can find you but
1: why don't you tell them one more time where can people find you Mario Uh, you can follow me at twitter at Mario underscore sack uh, and on YouTube doing animations as just plain old Mario sack one word hell
0: yes find him sub to him look out for what he's got coming down the line who knows what it'll be I'm not even sure he knows what it'll be (laughs) but I'm sure it'll be great whatever it is Uh, Well, you did say you were like, just do whatever you like, so whatever that might turn out to be.
1: There's always that midway process of, you know, it'd be a lot better if I just did this. (laughs) Right. Right. Oh, also, uh, Mario and myself are sometimes
0: on the Tall Tales uh, stream, which you can also find online. It is uh, run by Logan uh, RuneSmith, who will be on uh, next episode. Don't miss that. Thank you for coming on, Mario. I'm glad to have you here.
1: Likewise. I'm glad you invited me here.